What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Brooktown Breakdown. I'm here with my co-host, Hunter. Hunter, how are you doing? It's better call Saul Eve, Clemente. How do you think I'm doing? It's a, an ecstatic time. Oh, yeah. I'll just have to wait a couple hours to, uh, to watch it, I guess. <laughs> Join me, Clemente. Ditch it together. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, you know, in terms of Thunder stuff, um, it's been a pretty busy week. Um, you know, I like to remind the listeners that you know, the caveat of the caveat of that, you know, it's summer league. So a lot of this stuff doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, so uh, I, I don't, I don't want people to take what we say on here out of context, but just, you know, looking at the summer league games one by one um, in the vacuum and we're, we're going to try not to, you know, overreact with knowing that, you know, like I said, in the grand scheme of things, these games really, really don't matter. Um, but with that said, Hunter, explain to me why Chet isn't a bust. <laughs> well, first, can I talk about how Kenny Lofton Jr. is going to be the greatest big man since Charles Barkley? I'm going to go ahead and go on that. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, you know what? I guess if you're Skip Bayless, Chet, Chet's either going to be the worst player that's ever graced the hardwood or the greatest. So I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, depending on the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah, so we'll talk about the, these last three games in reverse chronological order, um, with, the, with the latest one being the first Las Vegas game. Uh, the Thunder ended up losing that game by two points. But, like I said, the results of these games don't really matter. Um, but, you know, what were just, you know, some of your biggest takeaways from this game, Hunter? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously we could talk about Chet, but let's talk about the big guy in the room here. Not really big necessarily like Chet, but Jalen Williams. I mean, also J-Dub, Santa Clara J.M. Williams, for all those out there. He's been killing it mostly this entire summer league. I mean, been efficient offensively. Uh, a lot of people have been questioning whenever he's coming in, is he just going to be this dominant ball hander? Why does Oklahoma keep trying to uh, draft these ball-dominant guards, you know, or ball-dominant players in general, just stack him in the roster, hoping it works. But Jalen Williams, his stats prove right here. He's been tremendous off ball. I mean, we've seen it in this game and games before. He cuts well. I mean, Josh Giddy's worked with him already, and it just looks like it's going to work out on the court already. I think Jalen Williams might be probably the most NBA-ready rookie on the Thunder squad, probably one of the most NBA-ready in the entire draft so far as what we've seen through the summer league. I mean, he's been fantastic. And that, you know, huge wingspan that he has is obviously proving, like, it's it's proving that his defense is going to be pretty legit. I mean, he guarded Jabari Smith the entire game almost, and he held him relatively scoreless throughout the entire uh, contest. Let me see Jabari's numbers here. Five of 19 overall. I mean, he held oh, a, a pretty dominant score coming into this draft, just 35% shooting. And, you know, I mean, limited his three-point making ability significantly. So, I mean, just seeing Jalen Williams hold his own defensively against one of the top prospects in this year's draft, and just, you know, uh, just showing how advanced he is on his drives as well. I mean, every time he drives the ball, I'm, I'm almost assuming that he's going to make it. He uh, cuts from the back the, for the back door or he drives from the wing. He made a reverse uh, layup from the back door, I think, over Tari Eason or Jabari Smith. Can't remember which one, but they're dominant defenders down under. And it, he just made it look so effortlessly. Uh, he's already 21, obviously, but man. Even he's a rookie, but he still looks so already like vet ready in some categories, uh, on ball defense and off ball offense as well. I mean, he just looks like he's going to be a perfect fit alongside uh, SGA and Giddy, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, um, not too surprising, guys. He's been this good in uh, summer league. I mean, at 21 years old, that's kind of the older side in terms of like draft prospects. And he was a free, he was a, he was a ass in the court for three years. So uh, we kind of mentioned this last pod. Uh, J Dub and Usman Dang are like on the opposite sides of the spectrum in terms of like um, where draft prospects are at in terms of the player development. Um, so seeing him, you know basically be, I guess, the most consistent player on the Thunder outside of maybe Josh Giddy has been a little bit surprising, um, but not that surprising. Um, there's this really nice graphic that was made today by um, Mark C underscore NBA on Twitter that basically, you know, categorized where J-Dub is uh, scoring the most, and most of his points have been coming in transition or, you know, being a pick-and-roll ball handler or in isolations. Um, so, that, and that kind of this has to like what we're seeing um, on the screen and during games. I mean, I feel like J-Dub's uh, cutting ability has been probably like the most talked about skill out of any player on the Thunder in these four games. So like you said, it's exciting stuff. I mean, as a 21-year-old, you would hope he'd, you know, play well, but like for him to uh, to argue, arguably be, you know, the best and most impressive player on the Thunder is still, you know, uh, an impressive feat. Oh yeah, for sure. And just, you know, just being consistent. That's a, that's a huge thing too. And like you said, Jalen Williams has probably been outside of like Giddy and probably Wiggins as well. He's been easily the most consistent of everyone on this team. So like you said, uh, he's so old. Uh, well, I mean, he's old, on the older side compared to some, some rookies out there. So it, it shouldn't be too shocking to see, but man, I mean, the way he's playing, I mean, like you said, we're not going to overreact, but we're just looking at these games in a vacuum right now. But it, it it's just exciting to see. I mean, just to have a wing like that with uh, defensive ability and offensive skill as well, playing off ball. I mean, it's just it's exciting prospect to have with, you know, your top stars being top playmakers. So exciting stuff. Hopefully, you know, I mean, best case scenario here is it becomes the Andre Robertson we always wanted. Well, better shooting nets for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and um, I don't know. I mean, it's only been two games, and uh, he played really well the second half of the season. And you know, it's summer league. I'm not going to put a ton of stock into it, but I mean, into it. okay, future Hall of Fame, <laughs> generational prospect, uh, just Shane Battier type role player. That's exactly what he is. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But I mean, I feel like for Trey Man. He's got to feel, you know, a little bit nervous. What did you say? I mean, I feel like I know, you know, uh, I think Jay was a little bit taller than Trey Man, and they don't play the exact same positions, but the Thunder aren't, don't really, you know, pigeonhole players into a certain spot or into a certain position. But I feel like in terms of um, getting, you know, those top, top reserve minutes, it's going to come down to what Trey Man and Jalen Williams, at least at the beginning of the season, because they both seem the most ready. And they both seem to be able to uh, score on their own as well as providing uh, spacing. So um, I know Trey Man. I know I'm wondering Trey Man's feeling a little bit that heat. Um, uh, I'm I, like I said, I'm not going to put a ton of stock into some of these games. I know Trey Man hasn't been playing well at all in his two games, but you know you got to consider the fact that he's coming off health and safety protocols, and you also got to consider the fact that look, he's already proved in the NBA. Like he scored 30 points against yeah. the best defense in the league. So. Even if he plays like shit the rest of the way, I'm not going to be too concerned. But I don't know, man. There's only so many minutes to hang out. And it kind of feels like Trey Mann and Jalen Williams are going to be like two of the guys you're going to be fighting out for, I guess, that six-man spot. 
what did you say? I mean, who else would be a, a contender for that spot? Oh, you know, we still got to think about Poku and then Baisley. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the same time, I mean, you know, Dag and Sam Presti have a fascination at playing Cameron Williams a ton of minutes as well. That, that first start of the year. But with all these new guys coming in as well, I mean, Chet Holmgren and then JRE is going to see an uptick in minutes as well. Probably, if, Assuming he plays that center position, we still don't know what the set lineup is going to be. I mean, it might be – I mean, maybe they even make that four or five spot, wherever they want to put Chet. The other – the front court member aside from him, it's probably going to be fluid like it was last year in our center position. So it, it's kind of hard to, like, really nail down who our sixth man is going to be because we just have so many bodies coming in and so many rookies that you really need to work out as well. So – uh, I, you know, I think I'd say I think I think he'd probably be right. I mean, J Dub and uh, Trey probably going to be fighting for that number one bench player role uh, to start the season. And like you said, I mean, it, he will have to play his heart out. Obviously, like you said, it's a summer league game, and Trey Mann is not notorious for playing well in summer league. But like you said, he's played it. He's played well already in the pros. I mean, he's put up a, a scoring numbers that makes people eyes bulge out, basically. I mean, he's played fantastic. We know he can create space, although defense isn't there. I mean, maybe it'll upgrade. I mean, it has to. Uh, but, I mean, his offensive game has been proved. He can drive. He can shoot, obviously, as well. But, you know, I mean, you, you got this other guy coming in and Jalen Williams, like you said. And although he'll probably be playing the forward position, I mean, I'm just imagining some lineups out there like, Maybe they run a lineup with SGA Dort and then J Dub at, at at the small forward position. But at the same time, you could you could say that he. I mean, like you said, the Thunder don't have any set like positions for the. It's positionless basketball mostly for the Thunder basketball. So you're just gonna be seeing guys getting minutes siphoned for other guys, other rookies potentially as well. And I think that's gonna be the case for Jalen Williams. So you definitely. I mean, this year is the year to prove it. Play well the entire season. Make sure you sustain those minutes. And I think Trey Mann's going to have to do that because, like you said, I mean, he's coming. And he's he's got a skill set that really accommodates to his top stars as well. So, And not only that, you have the emergence of Ujman Dang as well, depending if his shot starts falling. I mean, and his defenses look pretty solid lately as well. So a lot of minutes to throw around and a lot of minutes to be siphoned out. So you got to play your top-notch ability because there's new guys coming in and they're fighting for a spot. Yeah, and to Trey Mann's credit, he was able to get to the line nine times, which shows that even though he shot one for 13, he was still, you know, was aggressive and was able to get to the line. And when your shot isn't falling, you want to see that from someone like Trey Mann, whose entire game revolves around scoring, I guess, uh, specifically uh, isolation scoring and self-creation. So, you know, that was an encouraging time to see, encouraging sign to see. But I feel like we talked enough about Jalen Williams and Trey Mann. I mean, <laughs> the headline here was, Trevor Sichabari, right? Oh, yeah. That was supposed to be. But, you know, we got this. No, nah, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. I mean, to kind of cancel each other out, I mean, on the defensive side, I feel like they were both fucking great. What did you say? Yeah. Oh, yeah, easily. I mean, obviously scoring is going to be a little bit difficult for guys coming in. I mean, unless you're like – you turn into like Alonzo Ball, Zion Williams type summer league. I mean, the scoring is, not, is going to be a little bit toned down. Even Paolo Bencaro, I mean, he's been great. He's been probably the best rookie in this entire summer league, but he's still scoring like 17, 23. That's really good. But, you know, you're not going to be getting like 50-point nights from these rookies. I mean, their defenses, obviously Jabari and Chet have been credited for having some of the best, you know, either perimeter defense, interior defense in the entire draft, and they showed out. Yeah, I mean um... – Chad, man, like, man, like, when especially when they were in the half court and they were having to run, you know, sets and plays, it kind of felt like Chad was playing a little bit timid, what would you say? Like, it just it just looked like that from, from the screen, screen where he was playing just a bit too passive and, you know, 
credit to the Rockets and Jabari Smith Jr. on some of those positions for uh, some of those positions for locking him up. But like, I don't know. I feel like in summer league, uh, these are like the least consequential games ever because there's no consequences. I would like to see Chad be a little more, I guess, experimental and willing to let it go. But I don't know. What do you think? You know, it, it seemed a little bit like Chet is like unnaturally trying to make himself like a pass, like, you know, like a team player, which is not a bad. I mean, obviously being a team player is a good thing in this league, but I mean, you're the top guy as well. So maybe not try and force being that, you know, player that helps other teammates get better as well. I mean, obviously it's a good thing to work on that. And I think that's what they're trying to do. But I mean, the, the fact that, I mean, he's on a team with Josh Giddy as well, so they probably, like, I mean, Thunder, they obviously teach teamwork, like, to the max out of any team in the league. But I think Chet might be trying to force that right now. And on the other hand, like you said, the Rockets have great defenders in Tari Eason and Jabari Smith. And Jabari really did give uh, Chet headaches for most of the night as well. And that's credit to Jabari because he was lauded coming into this draft as one of the best perimeter defenders in the entire, I mean, the entire draft class. And he really showed that as well. I mean, he made Chet really pass a lot. He, I remember one play, he was wide open from the left wing and he just, he passed it up to, I think it was either J-Dub or Aaron Wiggins. I can't remember. But I mean, when you're wide open like that, like you said, summer league, I mean, th- this is one of the few times where you're going to have no consequences for it. I mean, no matter how bad you want that summer league ring, there's no consequence. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. No matter, don't, don't listen to Josh Giddy Chet. I mean, there's no consequences in this. But, I mean, like you said, it, it'd be nice to see a lot more action being taken there. But these guys are just now getting used to the whole grind and the whole schedule of the NBA. I mean, Chet's played like three games in the past four days, and that's a lot to get adjusted to based on what you played back in Gonzaga. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's going to take a little while to get conditioned and get right on the NBA court and keep up with the speed and pace. But like you said, I mean, it, it'd be nice to see him, you know, be a little bit more dominant with the ball. But, you know, that comes with that comes with time, that comes with work, that comes with conditioning. And it also comes with, you know, getting used to those defenses. And he got a little taste of that with Jabari and Dari. Hey, look and, at Jabari. Sorry, I just realized that rhymed. I don't know why. I just... <laughs> you better copyright that, honey. I- I'm going to do that right now. Rockets fans, don't you even dare, okay? I'm already mad at you. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, kind of kind of the same thing I said about Trey Mann. To Chet's credit, he did it to the line six times. Um, Man, I wonder I, just. I got to say real quick that Chet's free throw shooting is, like, beautiful to watch. I just have to leave that out there. Yeah, and that's probably in a big predicament just how good of a shooter could potentially be, right? Because I feel like, you know, that's what everybody says. Like, if you're a good free throw shooter, then the shooting's going to come along eventually. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's what a lot of people – I mean, you could shoot, like, what, 40% from three in high school – I mean, in college. But, like, if your shooting numbers are down in the free throw positioning, I mean, it's a little cause for concern there, I'd say. I mean, a lot of the greatest shooters in the league have shot really well in college, and that really just translates onto the court. I mean, and that's indicative of, of Chet right here. I mean, he shot 100% so far for his entire summer league from Utah all the way to his first game in Vegas. And that shooting stroke is just so pure, especially for a guy his size. To find that right stroke, it's going to be huge for his career, and it's already paying off. I mean, that first game, he already wowed from behind the arc. And while it's not, you know, really lighting up right now, it's going to stay, it's going to transfer in the league. And that is just huge to have for someone his size. Yeah. I mean, we saw in the first game and that makes me wonder like that the first, did, did him playing so well in the first game kind of, I guess, ruin the perception or like the expectations for Chet overall for the rest of the summer league. <laughs> yeah, it probably did to be honest, but you know, uh, at the same time, people need to temper their expectations, but you know, when you have a top two player, you know, in the draft, 
show out in his very first game to where he puts up a record, he's going to have high expectations the whole way through. So it did kind of ruin the perception of what rookies usually look like going into uh, the, the future games uh, following that. But, you know, it, it's good to have those type of games for because like that. I mean, to humble yourself. We all know Chet is very confident in himself. There's no, you know, you can't escape that. You hear that every day. But, you know, just to have that little humbling experience, learn the ropes. I mean, it, it, it'll be good for him. But at the same time, like you said, that first game really left a mark with a lot of people. Yeah, I, I'm just talking about the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, he's been like a beast uh, in all three games. Like, he's like the yeah, opposite of Black Hole, where instead of sucking everything in, the ball just kind of <laughs> stays away from him as much as possible. I mean, yeah, he single-handedly, like, ruins the rhythm of, like, uh, the, the other team's ball movement. What did you say? Oh, it, doesn't it give you those Rudy Gobert vibes? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, he, he's single-handedly ruining a, a possession just by existing <laughs> and, like, taking a couple steps. Yeah, no kidding. I totally agree. I saw there was one play uh, the other night in the Rockets game. Uh, it, it was that little eight-second interval where Chet was in the paint, and I can't remember who it was, but it was Chet's first block, I think. And that's whenever – I mean, it reminded me of Rudy Gobert where, you know, his defense immediately transfers into offense and just electric play on the other side. Chet got that first block and J-Dub took the ball. Or I think it was Chet who rebounded the block. And then he passed it up to J-Dub, who cherry-picked it for the one-hand jam. And I was like, man, that reminds me so much of what I see from Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell at points as well. And when the Utah – when Rudy was still on the Jazz, obviously. But, man, I mean, just that electric offense – I mean, electric defense that transfers into transition offense, it just – that's so huge. That's so big to have. And that just, that just, like you said, it, it tells the aura that Chet has down under that he's an, he's a shot blocker and he's going to go up, even if he gets postered, you know, all of the, the that, that one guy, I can't remember his name, <laughs> but it, he's going to go up for it. He's not scared for it. That's what, that's what shot blockers do. They're not scared to get postered on. They're going to contest. They're going to make you work for it. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, he's the opposite of a black hole. I mean, I don't know what the scientific term for that is. There even is one, but like, <laughs> Black holes, they suck everything in, but for Chet, the ball is just far away from it because <laughs> nobody wants to no, nobody wants to drive against it because they know it'd be pointless most of the time. <laughs> yeah, they watched that Utah game where he was stuffing everybody. They're like, maybe we should try that. And he still ended this game. I mean, he didn't have a block in the first half, and he still ended this game with like four or five blocks. Yeah, I mean, he had that switch where he had like three blocks in like two minutes in the second half. And that's that caused like a huge run with the Thunder. I think they went like they went on like a six, seven and zero run in that that little interval, that three minute interval you're talking about. And that just it, it's 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 so important to have that defense that transfers into media and offense. And that works so well with this team. Long stride uh, uh, offensive players, especially like Jada. And you got guys that run to the rim and Giddy, who's obviously working on running to the rim and getting bulkier. And SGA, who's one of the best uh, drivers in the entire league. Yeah, and, you know, let's talk about Giddy a little bit. I mean, I felt like this was probably Giddy's, I guess, worst game of, of, of the four games he's played, but, like, it was still a really good game. Um, <laughs> he doesn't belong out there. Yeah, yeah. He had 14 points, 6 15, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. He did have 5 turnovers. Um, he had, like, two really bad positions there at the end of a close game. He had that one turnover that, that was really a kick ball, but the refs didn't call it, that bounced off of um, Trey Man's foot. And then um, – I think the next position was like, I think the Rockets made their free throws. And then Giddy kind of had to run full court uh, for a running layup that he ultimately missed. Um, but yeah, I mean, five turnovers. I mean, I feel like Giddy, Giddy's getting, uh, Giddy getting a little bit too much dip in his chip. And, um, you know, <laughs> it is summer league. I mean, if he's going to do that, if he's going to bust out stuff 
experimental stuff and he's going to experiment a bit and this is the environment to do it so i'm not going to be too mad about it but yeah i mean i think i, I think getting knows he's, he's probably too good to be playing here which is why you probably see him like doing stuff you probably normally wouldn't see during you know regular season games oh for sure i mean you see the kid last year when he played the thunder and then you see him <laughs> it's just it's so funny seeing giddy on the court because he looks like like you said he knows he's too good to be there and you can just see it i mean he's getting he's trash talking like he's trash talking like way more than he would in the in the regular season and he's trying step back threes and contested threes he's driving he's driving with three guys on him driving in traffic with three guys on him and that caused like five turnovers like he said so I mean, it's it's just I thought it was just funny to see him just try all this stuff, like trying to bully his way to the basket. He's gotten noticeably bigger, like you said, pause. But I mean, it's just it's showing to the player that he is right now. He's way advanced. I mean, it, it shows on the court. It, it might not have been the best game, but man, he, he's just experimenting with his game right now. He knows it doesn't matter, even though he wants that hardware, obviously. But uh yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at it. it it's a giddy game. We didn't we, we didn't need to win. It, it wasn't important. But uh, yeah, I just thought it was funny all around just to see him act. Let me know. Like it was like Adam Sandler and Billy Madison when they're playing dodgeball with like the five year olds or in the kindergarten. That's that's basically what it was like. Um, yeah, <laughs> I wonder if he, um, I mean, I'm assuming this is probably it for Giddy. I mean, he's played the first four games, uh, and it's not like he's he's barely played either. He's played like, <laughs> like thirty minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I wonder, and like he mentioned after the game, they're probably gonna talk to the team about it. Um, so I think they would probably play it safe and just you know let him rest out because there's really nothing left for him to prove. And it's probably just a waste of minutes. We could probably go to guys who needed more. So yeah. um, there's that. But you know, besides those three, did anybody else or those four? Did anybody else stand out to you? You know, We've been, I mean, first off, I want to give a shout out to Aaron Wiggins. I mean, he feels like a vet, but like we all know he's a rookie, but he's he's old as old enough, you know. So he's gonna be a legit guy. He's gonna be with the roster for a while. I mean, he just played fantastically off of Giddy so far. So he he's a rookie, but he feels like a vet. I feel the same way for JRE. I mean, they're gonna be around for a long time, I think. They'll be legit rotation pieces. But going back to Ujman Jang, I know he hasn't played terrific. Obviously, he's been shooting poor, but, man, his his shot looks good. Like, it looks smooth. He's got good mechanics, I think. It's just not going down, and I think that comes with time in the league, and it comes with conditioning, and it comes with working out with your team, just getting accustomed to the new. It reminds me a lot of what Trey Mann endured last year when he was coming with the Thunder here. Uh, he his shot didn't fall at all in the summer league a lot of times he just wasn't strong enough to get the ball up where most of the time it looked like he was pulling the string away from the ball and it sort of came up short from the rim or hit the tip of the rim while we see a lot of that now with Jang where it hits more of the back iron or the side of the rim or just kind of just it does it's not they're not bad misses is, is, is the thing here he's getting really he's getting into the rim they're either rimming out or they're just clanking off the back iron or the front he just needs to work on having that type of strength to where he can learn to make it every single time. I, that just comes with a lot of like conditioning and working out with your team and probably some time in the G League, which we saw with Trayman last year, where Jing is probably going to work a lot with Grant Gibbs and that team where they were close to the Thunder already. It'll pay dividends, and I hope we can see sort of a Trayman type renaissance for Ujman Deng because I think, although he is a project player, I think he's he's way ahead already. 
I mean, his defense looked solid in that Rockets game where a lot of times he diverted defender, I mean, off, uh, offensive players from going to the basket and that big frame of his, that's already pretty wide. I mean, it, he can keep up with his man up front and the vertical. So I, that, that leaves me excited enough as it is for Jang, although he's going to be a project player and don't expect immediate success right away. Thunder fans. He, he, he might be something, I think. I mean, it, I, it's been pretty promising. Although the stats sheets don't show it, I think I've liked what I've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, my opinion on Dang hasn't really changed. I mean, I think we all knew he was going to be a, a long-term project. Um, he wasn't going to show immediate results. Um, and like you said, I mean, I like the fact that he, that he just continues to shoot, um, even, if it's, even if it's not going in right now. I mean, um, that just shows that, you know, he's willing to stay aggressive and not be discouraged by misses. And on the defensive side of things, uh, I don't think he's really been embarrassed or, like, picked on anything. I mean, he's held his own. I'm like, I know this is, like – I know it's against, like, pseudo-NBA competition, but I feel like, you know, that's still in the Curry Giants sign that dang hasn't been, like, a total embarrassment or has been, you know, picked on by the other team. So um, that's under encouraging sign by him. And I, I know there's like a negative connotation with the fan base when it comes to hearing long-term projects because <laughs> of Poku, but there's a reason why they went 11 and Poku went 17. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. I mean, and if, if Presti managed to trade up three first-round picks, which is still, you know, I mean, they're still late picks, but, you know, three first-round picks, you're going to be saying that for a while. I mean, three first-round picks for this guy, I, I'll trust Presti on that, but at the same time, Still long-term project. Hopefully it'll work out, but I like the signs I'm seeing so far. Yeah, and um, Eugene Amori, um, Omori, the, the, two, the two-way player, uh, he had a couple nice buckets there. I was like, I didn't even know he fouled out. That was, I'm just not learning Did he really that. Foul? I, did, I didn't know that either. I kind of just, you know, mostly towards the, uh, I mean, any type of Eugene Omori possession, no offense, but like I kind of tuned out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he fouled out in 16 minutes. That's, oh, that's, what's, what's the per 36 on that? <laughs> well, don't the summer league has like way more fouls though than like the regular. Don't they have like 10 fouls in summer league? Oh, uh, do they? I don't know that. Well, if that's the case, then uh, he, he would have fouled in the regular season game. Oh, okay. He had six. Oh my god, he had six fouls. Jesus. All right. Yeah, that is a little concerning. Uh, man, but like, yeah, that was funny. I mean, he had, he had a nice couple buckets there. I mean, he's a big body and he used all of that for, for his couple of shots. Yeah, I was surprised to see a top of the key three from him. I didn't know he had that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, um, moving on to the next game, I'll say anything else I wanted to say about this game. You know, trash talk the Rockets a little bit on her. I know there's yeah. always time yeah. for that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Tari Eason <laughs> stepped out of bounds. I got to say that. I have to let that be out there. Tari Eason stepped out of bounds in that crunch time minutes there where uh, I think that they, they fouled Tari and he went to the line. He went, like, one of two, but, like, at the same time, that should have been Thunderball on their half-court side. That would have made all the difference. So, just letting it out there. I know this is Summer League, but at the same time, he stepped out of bounds. Thunder should have won. Uh, that's my column piece. I'll write an opinion piece later. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's up there with um, Game 2 of the 2012 Finals, right, where, where Durant was fouled by LeBron, and it was – Oh, a man. Don't remind me. Don't remind me, Clemente. I don't need to be <laughs> – I don't need to be choking now. But I'm going to give uh, Rocket some praise real quick. I know that's taboo here. But I like Ty Ty Washington a lot, and I think he's going to be really good for them. And I think he'll be their point guard of the future, and not keep KPJ because I think I thought he played really well. Yeah, and you know Javari Smith Jr. Man, like I said, he locked shut the fuck up. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to tweet it out, but like man, it, it was pretty obvious 
that Chet struggled against uh, Jabari when he was matched up against him, even though he did have that one hook shot against him. I've noticed one thing with these rookies compared to Paulo. Paulo has a pretty nice handle and he can control the ball under duress, but at, I've seen it a lot with Chet and Jabari. They can't really blow past their, their man right now, and their, their handle right now is a little loose, and it causes a lot of turnovers. So I've noticed that on Jabari and Chet, but I mean, I'm pretty sure they'll get more accustomed to that. I mean, as soon as they get, you know, adjusted to the regular season. Yeah, Jabari's got that um, thousand yard stare whenever he has to dribble for a first time. <laughs> and, you know, Chet is saying, I mean, man, whenever they like blitz or double Chet, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yeah, yeah. He, he definitely got to work on that. I mean, I'm sure that won't be the case when Shea's on the floor. Um, oh yeah, I mean, it's going to open up a lot more room for Chet, so that that'll work wonders for him. I mean, it's that's one of the best things there of having like a guy like SGA on your squad is that a lot of the attention is diverted to him. Yeah, so that that's something that I've noticed in some leagues so far. Um, but it's not like, but like, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's nothing that can't be fixed. That's the good thing. Yeah, for sure. Like you say, he has a loose handle right now, but that's definitely something that can be fixable. And that's that's the case for most rookies, too. So, I mean, for Rockets fans and Thunder fans alike, it's nothing to, like, completely freak out about. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, moving on to the next game, um, we'll talk about – was it the Sixers game or the Memphis game? Under yeah, Sixers was uh, the next one. All right. All right, so talk about the sixth game. This is the final game in the um, Utah Summer League. Uh, this is the third game in three nights, uh, which is super rare. I don't think the Thunder have had one of those since, like, the lockout season. So, yeah. so that happened. Thunder ended up losing this one, 80-79. Um, Chad didn't play, uh, but Giddy did, like we mentioned. So, yeah, Hunter, what were just, you know, some of your biggest takeaways from this game? Uh, this game, I had to uh... – Highlight watch because I wasn't there. I was watching Thor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the transparency, Hunter. You had your priorities straight. I, I have to. I have to keep it real with the listeners out there, everybody. But at the same time, I mean, I liked what I saw again from J Dub. Obviously, he didn't shoot as well as he usually did, but you know, just just keeping it up uh, as he usually does. At the same time, uh, Josh Giddy, he didn't. You know, he didn't shoot well either. At the same time, but he still looked way better. Uh, than anybody else in the court, but it was nice to see a Poku res- Renaissance there. He started off the game immediately after tip after, after the tip off with an immediate dunk, and he just kept up to the same play for the entire night: five of nine from the field, fifty five percent overall, and two for three, two for three from three. Uh, just overall, great game from Poku. Glad to see him bounce back after that. You know, not so great game uh, first starting out in Utah. So I mean, just overall, I like seeing what I saw from Poku. Hopefully that can transfer over as well. I mean, I just hope he doesn't look completely out of place. Maybe I was too harsh to judge him <laughs> to start off the summer league, but, you know, at the same time, we, we got to keep that production up there, Boku, because you got guys gunning for your spot. And it's and another thing, Aaron Wiggins continuing to show why he's probably also someone else who's too good to be on the floor right now. Uh, I think he's going to be a great role player uh, alongside Giddy and SGA. Uh, he can definitely stretch the floor, and he plays great defense as well. I'm excited to see more of Aaron Wiggins, and I think he'll be with the team for a while. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're too harsh. I mean, um, so far in summer league, it's basically well, it's it's the same Poku from what we got the last two seasons. I mean, he he has two game, two bad games out of three, and like the one game he plays well in, the Thunder don't have its best players, <laughs> and that was the case this game as well. Um, Chell was out, uh, but I mean, yeah, like you said, this, this was this has this has been Poku's best game so far. 
Uh, we're not totally sure if he's going to play in Vegas. I'm assuming he will. Um, but he ended up missing the first game. So, you know, keep an eye out for that. But, yeah, this is probably Poker's best game. Um, he came out super aggressive. I think he he scored uh, the first points on a dunk. Uh, but, yeah, yeah Poker was, was more aggressive. He shot better from free. Uh, got five rebounds. He blocked two shots. Uh, you know, a good Poker game. Um, you kind of hope that he had more of these. But, you know, so far uh, with the three Utah games, he's went out of three in terms of good games. Uh you would, you would hope someone who's been in the NBA and has had, you know, NBA training and NBA dietitians would be better. But I don't know. <laughs> we just, I guess we just wait and see. I mean, like I said, we can't really take a, a lot out of summer league. But, you know, in the free games we've seen Poku, he's basically been, you know, the same guy more or less for like the first two seasons of his career. Uh, so, you know, we'll just see what happens in the upcoming season. It's probably going to be, it's going to be, the deciding season for Poku in terms of whether or not the team uh, gives him a second contract. So, yeah, we'll just see. And he's still uh, super young, Hunter. He's still super young. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, he, what? He's like one of the youngest players on the roster still. I mean, come on. How can he give up already, Clemente? Yeah, yeah. Just the fact that he's been in the league for two seasons now, <laughs> entering his third. I, I try to give him the benefit of the doubt, but man, it's not looking promising so far, like we've discussed already. But, uh, you know, I mean, go, going past the, sorry, I'm laughing at that again. Going past the whole Poku stuff, uh, I want to, I, I have to, I mean, every time I see Jerry, I have to give him a compliment because he's easily been one of my favorite players since last year. Bigger and stronger already, a whole season behind him, although, albeit cut short because of a fractured foot. Jerry's going to have a big season. This game is an all, another indication he played really well. And I think he's going to be one of the main generals on the floor defensively for the Thunder. And it, I think he'll show out a lot next year. And I think that's what really that, – that's a really compelling case, I think, for him to be a starter because he just has an aura as well. I mean, not like an aura like Chet, obviously. Nothing like in that sense. But he has that kind of grit that you really want on the floor, I think. He does all the little things. He's not a dominant shot blocker like you see from Chet. But he does. I mean, it, it's a perfect comp to what we see, what we want from Jalen Williams, and he'll be a perfect mentor for him as well. I think he'll be great defensively on the floor for the Thunder. I think he's going to have a huge season, and I think this game might be another indication of how you know improved J- Jerry is, not just defensively but offensively. I mean, he knocked down just one of two threes, but at the same time, four of eight from the field as well. So he plays his role perfectly, and I think he'll be a, a nice general to have on the defensive side there. So I'm really excited to see the leap that Jerry takes. Yeah, I mean, um, if I had to guess right now, I probably think Jerry's probably what the fifth starter um, with uh, Shea, Dort, Giddy, and Chet. Um, maybe Bayes gets out of senior seniority, but like if you're if you're constructing the best starting five line lineup, I feel like it would be Jerry over Bayes. Wouldn't you oh, say? Oh, hundred. I have to agree, hundred percent. Bayes. I mean, what he's like in his he's going to be in his fourth year. And contract situation still needs to be resolved after that as well. Uh, he, he's a great help side defender, but a lot of times when he was on his own, starting defensively last year, we saw it didn't really work out most of the time. He was getting – he wasn't necessarily playing to uh, that, that seniority status that we talk about. And I think a lot of that's going to be earned next year, and we're going to see who wins that battle to be starting alongside Chet. So, like you said, as a seniority – you know, 
Barry might have the chops to do it himself or alongside Chet. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I just kind of want to add extra context to, to Poku because it sounds like I'm just 100% hater right now, which <laughs> I'm not, but I feel like when we drafted him or when the team drafted him, we kind of knew that the odds of him developing into an illegit rotation player were probably going to be pretty small. Um because he was going to be a long-term project that, you know, uh, wasn't even guaranteed to work out. Um, and right now it's looking like that's going to be the case. And, you know, if that's the case, that sucks because uh, that 2020 class for the Thunder ain't looking so good right now with Poku, Teo, and Rick Krejci. <laughs> it's not looking so hot, Hunter. I mean, is that a hot take to say? Oh, you know what? The flaming hot take: Vic Krejci is the greatest banana eater on the team, Clemente. I'm sorry, <laughs> but but yeah, but Poku. I mean, um, like I said, like this isn't a revisionist history or anything. I, I think we, I think we all knew whenever he was drafted by the team that he yeah. was going to be a long-term project, and his success rate probably wasn't going to be that high. But like you know, if the punter did hit on him, then it would have it would have propelled the franchise because you found a really solid uh, core piece at 17 overall. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like um, whenever Doctor Strange looked into the future and in Infinity War and he saw all those outcomes uh, where they lost. Um, and there was just one outcome where they won. Uh, it, that's what it kind of feels like. Um, that's what it kind of feels like with, with Poku. And like, I feel like we're probably one of the losing outcomes as of right now. Of course, things can change. <laughs> Oh, what's the one outcome that, that, that would have shifted everything to make Poku a generational player, Clemente? Oh, man, I'm not sure. Uh, man, I got <laughs> to talk to Stephen Strange about that. <laughs> talk to Stephen Strange. <laughs> and, like, a lot of that isn't on Poku either. I mean, he got the shittiest luck ever in terms of, like, when he was drafted because he was drafted during COVID. And, like, <laughs> he went from being drafted to having to play regular season games less than a month later. So who knows how much that fucked up his development. Um, so, you know, not all of it falls on Poku. Um, as most things go, there's like multiple people, multiple elements, multiple variables to blame. But yeah, I mean, like I said, you don't want to overreact to some early games, but like three games in and Poku looks more or less the same yeah. against pseudo NBA competition. And another thing that really stuck with me is I heard a quote. I, I, I'm so sorry if I can't like exactly quote you, but. Shout out to whoever it was who said this. And they said, imagine, I need you to imagine the Thunder contending. Do you see Poku having legit rotation mitts in a, in a universe where the Thunder are contending? And I thought about that and I'm like, I, I'm like, the, I'm the Doctor Strange thing again. I'm, I'm looking at all these outcomes. I'm like, man, there is no viable outcome where I see that happening. And I, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm putting on, you know, this clip will be putting on freezing cold takes in like five years. Who knows? But right now, I mean, it's just, you know, not looking likely. Come on, Hunter. He's still super young, man. Come on. <laughs> he's one of the youngest players in the league. I mean, I mean, I think Chet's older, right? Or he's only a couple – I mean, Poku's only a couple months older than Chet or something. I think – if not, I think they're, like, the same age. But, like, you know. Yeah. Chet's still super young compared to, like, all the rookies coming in, man. You can't give up on him. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder if uh, – I wonder if that's what the Spurs say about Josh Primo. Oh my God, Poku uh, has become like the new Jason Tatum's nineteen meme. <laughs> Poku's gonna be super young for twenty years. Oh my God, 
But yeah, um, anything else you want to say? I mean, the game itself, not a lot happened. I mean, it's probably the most boring out of the four games so far, just because Chet didn't play. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I really wish Chet uh, was, you know, had enough stamina to play the Sixers because I really wanted to see him go up against Paul Reed, who is playing legit rotation minutes for the Sixers. I mean, as a backup center for Embiid. So I really wanted to see that. But, you know, alas, you know. Also, I saw some people making fun of Chet for not being able to play a third straight game, like the NBA fucking schedules for three straight (laughs) games ever. (laughs) Like, that's hilarious. Well, as if this is like professional baseball or something. I mean, we don't. No one plays three straight games. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone was gassed, and even Josh Josh, Giddy. Yeah, except for Josh Giddy because he's used to this already. Yeah, I mean Josh Giddy. uh, He had five fouls, six turnovers, ten rebounds, or not ten rebounds, ten points, seven assists, five rebounds. Just you know, a good game. It was very Josh Giddy game. I mean, so far his shot looks about the same, but you also remember that. This is probably the first time. This is his first competitive games since February. Um, so not a lot of time has passed. And, you know, Giddy's shot is probably going to be like a work in progress yeah. for his entire career. So, And not only that, it's obvious that Josh has put on a lot more muscle, I mean, in the offseason. And it's going to take some time to, you know, work with that new newfound strength to, to work with a shot that best suits himself. So you're going to be seeing a lot of tinkering with that shot as we go forward. So don't expect an immediate miracle. And like, you know, it's been what, like four months since the end of the regular season. It's going to take a lot more time than that. So you're going to, it's not going to take Poku time, but you got to be patient. You got to be patient. Yeah. I mean, Giddy is super young too. So (laughs) (laughs) that's weird to think. Giddy is younger than Chet, isn't he? Yeah. I like a year. Yeah. That's, that's wild to think. Yeah, and um, and like you said, it, it, it's pretty obvious in getting his arms are bigger. I mean, just the way he's played as well, he plays like a guy who gained muscle. I mean, he's he's driving to the basket a lot more. He's not afraid of contact. Um, he's finishing plays through contact. Um, so, you know, that's encouraging to see. Yeah, he's becoming that Rajon Rondo Clemente envisioned a year ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> taller Rajon Rondo. Taller and white. <laughs> TikTok Rajon Rondo. TikTok <laughs> oh man but yeah um anything else you want to say about this game hunter uh not much thor was all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, it was good but that, that's another discussion um so <laughs> we'll have a whole other part about that uh no i'm just kidding yeah if you want to know true thoughts about thor just dm us <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how i say right now <laughs> we'll be on uh oh man i can't ign we'll post an article on ign oh man but the last game we'll talk about is the um thunder grizzlies game uh thunder ended up winning at 87 71 uh more importantly this is the uh kenny lofka jr breakout game <laughs> oh man the legend himself charles barkley jr yeah <laughs> but i mean yeah i mean that was like the biggest thing that people were talking about from this game was that kenny lofka jr basically bought it up against uh, Chet for, for a few possessions. And, like, Bleacher Report, I mean, they know what they're doing. Bleacher Report knows that <laughs> those, those possessions where Chet gets bullied in the paint is going to get the most engagements. So, um, congrats to them, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> I hope they got their likes and retweets. Oh, man, they, they made their bread that day, Quinte. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, that was the biggest That was the um, biggest target point from this game. Uh, do you want to address that, Hunter? Uh, yeah, Kenny Lofton Jr. is two, 280 pounds. He'd be the fifth heaviest player in the entire league. It's not a concern. No one's going to 
post. I mean, you know what? If you want to, you can post up chat the entire game. But is that a winning formula? Don't really think so. Offense wouldn't work that way. Wouldn't win a game that way either. Chet played well regardless, I thought. Had 11 boards, or not 11 boards, he had 11 defensive boards. He had 12 rebounds altogether. Uh, I thought he played well regardless. I mean, he, he sh- didn't shoot well, but he had 11 points to end it anyway. Two blocks as well. I thought he still played solid defensively. Uh, he kept, I mean, after a couple of those uh, so-called bully ball moments, they were, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to lie. I mean, Kenny Lofton, he played well. And I think it's just because he's a really skilled player. Uh, not only that, Kenny Lofton and Chet have been playing for years now. I mean, they played in high school together. They played in uh, U19 together as well. Kenny's done that to Victor Webanyama as well. I mean, he's just an incredibly skilled player with a gigantic frame, gigantic body. That's his main for, I mean, forte. I mean, he's bully ball type of guy. But at the same time, uh, trying to Chet, Kenny had like, what, four fouls and, like, and a half. And that's not really a winning recipe either. He wouldn't have been out on the court regardless. Chet played well, I thought. I mean, obviously, he has a lot to work on. You can talk about his frame, but, I mean, that's stating the obvious. He's got to get bigger, obviously. He's not going to be weighing 190 going into the NBA, I mean, or staying in the NBA. He will grow grow muscle. That's going to take time, though. He's not going to be 290 either. He's not going to be Giannis. But he will get to that 200, 215 range eventually and eventually hold his own to where he's not getting completely bolstered back to the basket. But at the same time, bigger body. You can expect this. Kenny only went eight for 17 anyway. And, you know, Chet played well on him, I thought, regardless. So you can play that post-up game. You can bring those clips out all you want. Not winning basketball. And Kenny Lofton's a skilled player. So I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, he scored 19 points on 17 shots. And if six of those points come on, like, you know, post-ups and dunks, um, I feel like the funner, you know, will take that 100 out of 100 <laughs> times. Yeah, no kidding. And they ended up winning the game by, like, what, 10, 11? Yeah, I mean, I think it was like 17, but like, yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, I'm seeing the score now, sorry. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we always knew Chet was 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 um, probably, this is probably going to happen with Chet against guys who are like this big. But the problem is there's not that many guys who are this big. And like the ones who are this big are going to get theirs anyway. So I guess uh, I guess we just learned that <laughs> Chet's going to struggle <laughs> guarding yeah. Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Like, <laughs> like we didn't already know that. Yeah, that day I learned uh, no one can guard a 280-pound man. I didn't I didn't know that. I'm glad I found that out that day. But, you know, I appreciate those who were telling me the entire day that, you know, Chet can't guard someone who's about nearly 100 pounds heavier than he is. So I'm just glad I could be told that. So I appreciate everyone who reminded me. Yeah, and um, I forgot who brought this. I think multiple people brought this point up. But, like, in the NBA, I mean, you don't play basketball on paper. Um, even though Chet might, even though uh, when, you know, the real life starting lineups, uh, Chet might be the center. And I don't know, Jonas Valanciunas, which you use him as an example, might be the opposing center. Uh, yeah. Odds are uh, Chet will only be matched up against Jonas, like for only a certain percentage of all possessions that they're both on the court because uh, the NBA is become switch happy. Um, and the funder, the way they play defense, they don't really like playing man to man. Um, so chances are, even if, you know, there's a significant weight advantage, uh, or weight disadvantage for Chet, chances are there's not going to be enough possessions to make that detriment and like for it to like really affect the result of games. Um, but yeah, what do you think of that? 
That is a pretty funny point. <laughs> People thinking, you know what? If Chet's playing ball, he has to be on his man 100% the entire time. I mean, like you said, the Thunder do play a, a, a team defense mostly. I mean, you don't see that uh, up in your face man-to-man defense every single day. I mean, it, if the Thunder think Chet has an obvious disadvantage, then I think Dagnall's going to draw up a plan to where Chet's not going to be, you know, the, the main guy guarding them. You're going to have a guy like Baze. You're going to have a guy like JRE. I mean, even if you wanted to, I mean, I doubt that would happen, but, you know, Derek Favors and Mike Muscala are also there. I mean, Chet, he will have a weight advantage. I mean, he, a disadvantage, but it won't hinder his success based on that. What hinders his success is based on skill set, what we talked about, and he has plenty of skill set to, to throw around, obviously. So if there's someone with a disadvantage, like a, a Giannis Antetokounmpo, a Zion, or a, a Joel Embiid, then obviously they're you know, say, Chet, go out there, try your best. You know, we'll see what happens. They're not going to do that. They're going to play an defense to where they can accommodate Chet's skill set and, you know, to have someone capable enough. While no one can really guard them to begin with, someone who can at least slow them down just a little bit. I mean, like you said, no one's going to be able to guard uh, Joel Embiid or our Giannis Antetokounmpo. They'll always get theirs. They will. They'll always get theirs. They'll average 30. It's just that's just the way the NBA works. They're skilled players. They're MVP candidates for a reason. That's why. I mean, sorry, I, we all know Chet can't guard them, but no one else can either. Yeah, and you know, in throughout this entire draft process, Chet was seen as like the best defender, and like uh, arguably could be one of the best defenders in the league. And it wasn't because of his post defense or his ability to um, man up against someone uh, or out muscle them. It was because of his wingspan, his rim protection, and his ability to just change an entire possession just by taking a couple steps <laughs> in one yeah. direction. So we all knew that, you know, Chet's, you know, one-on-one post-defense probably wasn't going to be the best, especially against guys who have, like, a significant weight advantage. But, like, even with that weakness, he still he, – he was still viewed as, like, the best defender in his draft class and someone who can anchor defense. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. And you see that a lot. Like, like you said, I mean, Chet's not even, you know, quick laterally either. I mean, he will have to adjust his hips to where he, he can at least keep up with his man. But at the same time, that wingspan, like you said, he gets a lot, he times those blocks from behind perfectly. Just his IQ and his timing is just perfect, really. I mean, like that's one of the main reasons why he was a top two pick in this draft. Yeah. And, you know, if that results, you know, if that results in Chet getting posterized or getting bullied down low, for a few possessions every game, then I feel like that's a trade-off for the teams would take. <laughs> oh, man, I know I would. Uh, but, yeah, um, so that happened this game. Uh, Josh Giddy had a triple-double. He had 14, 10, 10, 14, 10 and 10. Um, he was probably, what, the best player on the court for OKC and maybe the oh, best player overall? Easily, easily. Like I said, he doesn't belong on the court. <laughs> but it's funny to watch him out there. I mean, yeah. Uh, he's playing good he's playing like the, the like a four-time western conference rookie of the month so he's been awesome yeah yeah for sure and Jalen williams this is probably his second best game 16 points probably nine three free for free um anything you wanted to say about about um Jalen williams this game i really can't compliment him enough he's gonna be a perfect role player i think i mean i mean he might even develop his game to where he's you know, one of the main options, although that all, you know, but maybe he's probably not going to be there at, at, with a team with SGA and Chet, but you never know. I mean, he's got the perfect wingspan for it. 
he's got the perfect frame for it, and he's got the offensive game for it, too. He showed it off at Santa Clara. So we'll see where his development takes him, but it's very, very promising. Yeah, he's really good at his game. He's been really good for awesome, really. And like I mentioned earlier, I mean, he's on the older side of, like, rookies in terms of age, so he's probably closer to a finished product than most. So him looking like an NBA player in some really shouldn't be that shocking, but the fact that he's been playing as well as he has, I mean, that's like that's like a very good sign. That is a very good sign. Like you said, you don't typically overreact to summer league games. They really don't mean much at all, really. But you get a first look at these guys against somewhat, you know, competent, com- competent competition, uh, a lot more competitive than what you see in college. Uh, maybe a little bit higher than most, uh, you know, Euro leagues or, you know, just professional leagues like the NBL, maybe on the same scale as that as well. Uh, more of like a G League type you know, setting. So it's nice to see him go up against comfortable competition and play very well. So shout out to J-Dub. Yeah, for sure. And um, in terms of like other NBA news, we also found out what the contract titles were for Lou Dort's new extension. And according to Bobby Marks of ESPN, uh, the fifth year is a team option. And yes, and five million of the eighty-seven and a half million are in unlikely bonuses. So when you break it down like that, he's really only making like what four, four, uh, six, like around sixty million for four years. Um, yeah. I'm just ballparking here, um, which is what the, which is what the the expectation was for Lou Dort whenever we were talking about potential contract extensions. Um, so, you know, that makes me feel better about this contract. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, what do you think, Hunter? Yeah, I, I agree with 100%. I mean, obviously, whenever the contract first came out, I mean, we're all a little – I mean, you know, you could be happy for him, obviously. I mean, I was happy for him, too. I mean, he deserved this. What a, what a story. But, you know, that, that was a lot of money that was initially sent out with no details whatsoever. And a, a contract that came out, a year before the the whole CBA negotiations were going on and a huge 2023 offseason that's about to come up. So a lot of questions to be had, obviously, and they were rightfully asked questions as well. I mean, Lou Dort is a great player and he deserves his contract, but, you know, probably on, on the depth, like on your, you know, roster chart there, probably about your fourth or fifth best, best player on the team at the same time. But like you said, the contract details came out and they are very team friendly for Oklahoma City, you'll say. Like you said, five million in incentives, right? So that's just, that takes off a lot of that, uh, the extra weight that a lot of people worried about. And uh, not only is it still a little bit more easier to swallow for uh, the Thunder, I'd say. And it it just, you know, tops off like a really, you know, nice story for Lou Dorr, who's a very wealthy man now. And I'm just glad that he can, you know, enjoy this contract and not at the same time help, you know, the Oklahoma City books out a little bit. So it's pretty much a win-win for both parties. Yeah, so he's got $65 million guaranteed over four years, um, which is a lot better than $82.5 million over five years. And, you know, we knew that um, he was probably going to have a team option for his final, the final year to deal. But, you know, it's glad to know that, you know, it's official. Um, yeah. my, my concerns were more about, roster space, minute contribution, shot contribution, and it was about the contract itself. But in ter- if we're talking about specifically the contract, I feel like this is probably what, this is probably a good value for Lou Dort. I mean, I feel like he probably could have easily gotten this in the open market. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, shout out to him for not, uh, you know, uh, letting the other teams out there play their hand and raise the stakes up for the Thunder. So, I mean, it was just, this is just a case of both, both parties working it out and doing what's best for not only the client, Ludor, who did get a wealthy payday, but for the team as well to have some flexibility going forward, you know, working with the roster and, you know, having money freed up to better this team whenever they want to get towards contention. Yeah. And in terms of like other minor funder news, um, the funder also announced that they signed um, Kevin Kongu to the Summer League roster. Um, isn't he? I think he's like friends with Shay, right? I think he's Canadian. I know that, but uh, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, well, regardless, um, he's just another guy they added on the roster. Just interesting to see that, um, to add someone midway through Summer League. Uh, I'm not totally sure how old he is. Uh, on Wikipedia, says 19, but like he spent like five years in college. So there's so unless he started college when he was like 13, <laughs> or that information is probably not right. But yeah, I mean, probably yeah, I he's played a game yet. Three years old, probably. <laughs> but he hasn't played a game yet. Uh, he'll probably play like the last couple of games whenever you know the team decides to sit out all the good guys. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> there's that. Um, but yeah, to wrap up the pod, um, let's answer some Reddit questions. Okay, uh, actually. Real quick, while I go get my phone that's on the charger right now, Clemente, will you tell the people about the Jalen Williams contract as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jalen Williams signed, uh, I believe it was a four-year, $8.2 million contract for Shams. Um, yeah. And this was a second-round pick, Jalen Williams. Um, second-round picks, from what I was told by Ryan Stiles, welcome Ryan Stiles, give him a follow. He told me that second-round picks don't need to be signed on to the team in order to play summer league. So that explains why J-Well was able to play the first couple of games despite not being signed. Um, but, you know, with that said, the funder finally signed J-Well, which officially means that they've signed their entire drafted rookie class. Um, Chad Uzman and J-Dub were all signed last week to standard rookie school deals. Those are easier to hammer out and negotiate because there's a precedent there. Um, for second-round contracts, it's a little bit more of the Wild West where you try to get where the, the, the player tries to get as much guaranteed money out of it while the team tries to not uh, tie, tie up as much guaranteed money as they can with them. But um, I don't think the details that have been released yet, but I'm assuming it's like a standard uh, second-round contract where the two years, the first two years are guaranteed and the last two are like team options. But... Yeah, I mean, 8.2 million, four years. That's like the ballpark for second round pick, especially one who was drafted 34 overall. Um, but yeah, did you have any thoughts on that deal? Yeah, just good to see Jay Will finally get his contract. Uh, I think it's a deal similar to JRE's. Uh, so a lot of team flexibility, but also, you know, lets Jay Will have that little breather there that he's guaranteed for, you know, two more years on the squad. So, or two years to be on the squad, actually, you know, first year. So it, it's nice to see, uh, you know, Thunder working, you know, wanting to see what he has to offer. Uh, good to see that they finally, I think he's one of the, the first second round signings mostly uh, across the league. So it was nice to see him get locked up already. So good to see him get his money uh, guaranteed. Like I think four point. $2 million in his first two years. So uh, I can't remember if, it, yeah, I think it's a team option the uh, third year. And then I can't remember the details off the top of my head, but yeah, good, good overall contract for Jaywood. Yeah. And I know there's like some talk about him potentially uh, being signed onto the second two way spot. Um, I wasn't really 
a big fan of that because I feel like <laughs> he's probably too good for that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I I understood it for Aaron Wiggins obviously because he was the fifty fifth overall pick. But you know, for a guy you, you drafted at what Jay Willett was drafted at thirty four, thirty six. It, it, it seemed like a custom that you had to send him to a deal. And it, it's one of those Sam Presti, you know, JRE type deals that, that we typically see. So good, good overall deal for both, for both parties again. So another masterwork. Yeah. All right. So now I finally got my phone. Sorry for all that, but at least we have to talk about Jay will a little bit. Uh, here's our Reddit questions. We only got a couple today. So uh, first we'll start off with ST one weaves and uh, he or she says, Grades on each Oklahoma City Thunder game so far, a summer league game so far. Excitement on a scale of encouragement versus concern. Oh, man. I mean, if we're going encouragement, if we're going to rank it from, like, most encouraging to least encouraging, I feel like number one's got to be the first game against Jazz, right? Yeah. Just because oh, of chat. Uh, just because of chat. And, and J-Dub also had a quiet, great, great game as well because of how great Chet's performance was. So, I mean, and also Josh Giddy. He, he played, you know, Josh Giddy-like as well. So that's easily the best game that they've had so far. So on excitement level, that's that's got to be like a 10, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it kind of ruined expectations for the rest of the <laughs> Yeah, it gave us unrealistic expectations going further. So that, that that's a good thing, actually. That's, that's a good thing. I mean, to have that type of game to where the rest of your games just don't seem real if they're not, like, generational, that's always a good thing to have. Yeah, for sure. And the second one, I mean – uh, it had to be the the Josh the, the uh, Josh Giddy triple double one, right? Yeah. Just because of Josh Giddy. That was the uh, oh man, which game was that? I think that was the Grizzlies game. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, although Kenny Lofton, you know, had you know chat on some low lights from Bleach Report, like Clemente said, he still played a very good game. I think probably his second best game so far. So, yeah, I, I'd have to say on on an excitement scale, would you have that at like what a seven point five? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I probably put it at eight. I mean, I feel like Giddy's been, been kind of lost in all of this because of chat. Like, man, Giddy's been really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see where there's been a lot of improvement, especially with his driving ability, where especially like we talked about, he's getting stronger. That's an encouraging sight to see. Yeah, for sure. And then the next game, probably the Rockets game, right? Just because Chet played. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll go with you there. And I think I, I like the play of J Dub and his defense on Jabari a lot more than his performance against uh, the Sixers last game. So uh, that combined with, you know, even though Chet didn't play great offensively, he still had a couple of exciting moments and J-Dub was a part of those as well. And Giddy just being Giddy, obviously, uh, that has to be ranking third. So what what would you rank that in excitement skill? Oh man, probably like a nine just because of the finish as well. Cause you know, I mean, like you said, the results of these games don't really matter, but like it was probably the best finish out of all the games. You're probably right. Yeah, that's a very good game. I mean, obviously we lost, but you know, good, very good game overall. Okay, and so the last one obviously has got to be the Sixers game because that's the last one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, multiple reasons why. I mean, we weren't able to watch it. It was on NBA TV. Uh, <laughs> Chad didn't play, uh, but yeah, it was probably the most forgettable one so far. It, it was like the four dark and was it dark world? <laughs> yeah, Thor the dark yeah. world. The Thor the dark world of summer league games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's pretty forgettable. Um, and like if you didn't watch it, um, I gotta miss watch. <laughs> You're probably not gonna watch it again either. No rewatchability, but uh <laughs> okay, excitement skill, what like a, a three? 
I'll give it a five just because Josh played, but yeah. Oh, you know what? I'll give you that. And what? Poku played decent as well. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, you know what? We'll up that up to a three and a half. How about that? Oh, man, for sure. Okay. And uh, so that was our uh, first one. Our second question is from Z-Man Oklahoma 1. Is Ushman Jang in the rotation when the season starts? Uh, I'll, I'll start off a session after we answer this first one. Oh, man. That's tough. <laughs> I'd like to see him being a rotation. You know, I think they will. I mean, I think in terms of optics, it's, it, it would be a bad look to send the 11th the floor optic to the G League if in the rebuilding team. Um, so just because of pure optics, just because I want to see Dane start the season off, I'll say he'll start the season off in the rotation. And plus, when they start, I mean, Dane has been coached for two seasons now, and I think I've noticed a trend where at the beginning of the seasons, he plays like 11, 12 guys, and like he slowly dwindles that number down as the season progresses. So I think Dane gets minutes. Yeah, I, I think I have to agree. And uh, like you said, if you're going to trade three first-round picks for a guy, I mean, you better have him in your rotation to start out and just try and work him out a little bit. Although I think we'll see him play for the G League at some point. Uh, it would be nice to see him start off right away. And like Clemente says, Dak starts off with a lot of guys to start up the season. So I, I think we should see a healthy amount of Jang to start off, uh, you know, next season. Uh, but the second part of Z-Man's question also, how do you think the Thunder use Chet offensively? We saw him handle the ball game one and dominate, but we have two ball dominant players, and Chet's effectiveness on, uh, Chet's effectiveness on screen setting has been off putting. Man, I feel like he's probably going to be like the dump off option, the pick and roll option, but um, just because, you know, the Thunder have Shane Giddy, that doesn't mean Chet's going to be on the court with them at all times. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see they not, you know, stagger the minutes so that, you know, Chet gets some positions where he's the lead ball handler because, like we said, the first game, he clearly shown that ability where he's able to score off of the dribble and he just doesn't need to be a dump-off guy. I mean, he's not Jabari Smith Jr., guys. I mean, he can dribble a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm posting this pod on uh, Rockets Reddit, by the way. Oh, my God. But, I mean, <laughs> in all seriousness, I mean, yeah, check can handle the ball a little bit. Um, Obviously, when he's on the court with Shane Giddy, he's probably going to be like the, the third option there and probably more off the ball threat. Um, but, you know, like I said, he'll probably, has his, he'll probably have his fair share of minutes where he's going to be the lead ball handler. No, I totally agree. And I think it has to be that way with your second overall pick. I mean, yeah, if, if you have a feeling that this guy is going to be, you know, a future star, then you have to give him some reps early on to show that he can handle the ball, create his own offense, and just lead the squad overall. And we saw a little bit of that in the summer league where he does uh, have the ball and be sort of point chat to start off the game. Uh, start seeing that in the Utah game, seeing that in most of the games, actually. Uh, so I think that gives us a little insight into what Dag want, and Presti are wanting to have Poku do in some of these games. Like you said, we don't have to have Chet, SGA, and Giddy on the floor at all times. And we don't have to have Giddy or SGA paired up with Chet at all times in lineups, too. We'll be seeing a plethora of lineups, like tons. So don't think there's just a set rotation and set lineups, because like Clemente said, this is a rebuilding season. So you'll be seeing sort of a mixture. And uh, yeah, and you know what? On Chet screening, I actually think it's a lot better than, I, than it was going to be coming in. I, th I thought he said a lot harder screens than he did in college. So 
Uh, I'm a little bit more interested to see how that goes around. I mean, I'd like to see a little bit more pick and pop action, but at the same time, uh, I think he's a little bit more, a little bit more advanced in the area than uh, what I saw coming in from Gonzaga. So I'm excited about that. But at the same time, like Clemente said, expect a lot more Chet solo lineups than what you expect. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, there's always possibly like, you know, the Chet needs extra reps as the main ball handler. There's always the G League. I mean, come on. Oh my God, Clemente. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, are, are we gonna see? Is is Chet gonna be like Dakari Johnson and Justin Patton? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, or are we gonna take him off the bench? Uh, I remember you remember those discussions last year with Josh Giddy. Like, I don't know, man. What? If, what if, oh my god, I'll never forget those. Oh, I just remember <laughs> just feeling so gross. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know in what reality some people think putting your top 10 pick on the bench to start off the season in a rebuilding team makes any sense. Even the Warriors started off James Wiseman. I mean, come on. Yeah, and there was a little bit of D-League talk with Josh as well. Be like, oh, come on, guys. He's the sixth overall pick. <laughs> Are you guys just accustomed to OKC rookies spending the time in the G-League? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You know what? Just be thankful we don't draft the Darko Millican guys we, we don't need that kind of that that kind of top 10 pick play okay coming no, no offense to darko but come on <laughs> come on Hunter. think of how much confidence chet's gonna have whenever he gets called back <laughs> yeah we, of course we gotta play him against jay scrub <laughs> oh man but yeah uh any more questions yeah that's about it all right then cool cool so yeah thanks for listening guys um that about wraps up the pod unless you have anything else you wanted to add no, I think we've hit everything. All right, cool. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Please like, share, subscribe to the pod, and we'll talk again whenever summer league wraps up, unless you know some crazy shit happens again, um, like Jets' first game. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.